Hey, thanks for tuning in today. My name is Kevin Conover. I'm your host on Educate for Life Radio. We're broadcasting down here in Southern California on KPraise 1210 AM. And we're also on FM 106.1 in North County, um, down here in Southern California. And uh, <clears throat> we did not have a hurricane. People over the country are like, oh, California's having a hurricane. It was definitely not a hurricane. So uh, I even got tornado warnings down here in East County, San Diego, and uh, that was bizarre. But no, it was actually like a warm rain. It was like really pleasant. So don't worry about any of us down here in Southern California. Uh, we were fine. I wanted to read some quick stats. We're talking about evangelism today. And, um, you know, Barna, the statistician, uh, the, the company and, and George Barna um, came out with some interesting stats recently about uh, the church and sharing the faith. Uh, very interesting. It says here, uh, just 12% of pastors say they are very effective in encouraging others, encouraging Christians to share their faith. Only 12%. That's pretty pretty low percentage there. And it also said uh, that Barna has been tracking pastors' confidence dwindling over time. Between 2015 and 2022, there was a 24-point drop in the percentage of pastors who felt their church was at least somewhat effective at reaching out to the unchurched. Uh, that's not encouraging news. The, on the other hand, most Christians, the majority of Christians, um, actually believe that it's important to share their faith. They believe this is incredibly important, um, but it's only a small percentage, over half of Christians feel this way. And so obviously that's a huge deal. And so today I have on my show, my guests are Kyle Peart, and Flynn Hughesby, and they are of once-loss.com, once-loss ministries, and um, they're, we're going to be talking a little bit today about the need to be able to share the gospel effectively, and also um, how do you make that happen? You know, not, not all of us feel comfortable doing that. A lot of times we feel like, I want to, but it doesn't seem like the situation arises, and it's kind of awkward and uncomfortable. Maybe you're scared. A lot of people say sharing the gospel is very scary to them. And so um, hopefully we can be encouraged today and give given some guidance uh, by these two gentlemen and their heart for sharing the gospel. Uh, thanks, guys, for being on the program today. Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin, for having us. I really appreciate it. Um, we met you at that homeschool convention here in Arizona and and really looking forward to, to our discussion. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. um, Kyle, uh, just a little bit of background. Um, you know, when you're growing up, even if you're growing up in the church, you you aren't always, there's not always an emphasis in church placed on sharing the gospel, on evangelism, on reaching out. And you can, you, from that stat I read, you can see a lot of pastors don't feel like they're doing a good job of, of doing that. Um, in your experience, what is the reason for that? Why is it that people are so hesitant to reach out? Yeah. Um, when you're reading those stats, it's it's really heartbreaking, but it's not surprising. Unfortunately, this is something that um, that really inspired the ministry um, that me and Flynn have really been working through. And just to make sure and give a quick shout out the you know, me and Flynn, we put our, our ugly faces up on the camera and do these things. But my wife is a major part of this. So I really appreciate a lot of stuff that she does. She just doesn't jump on the camera. Um, but um, yeah, so overall, I would say that it's a shame because when you, when you evaluate, this is kind of where our heart started. When we, I was a head of evangelism at a Calvary chapel here in Tucson. And um, what started out as like a really ins a big inspiration to encourage the church, we ended up opening it up and we had about a hundred people that showed up for this training to encourage the believers to go out. And so it was like, oh, wow, there's some really, um, good outreach here for, for a potential in Tucson. And so when we went out, we went two by twos and we set up tables at a local swap meet and ended up realizing real quick that there was a lot of people that had a zeal, but didn't have an understanding of the core fundamental of the gospel. And so then that really encouraged us to really um, prepare the feet to, that the gospel says with a reasonable defense in, in um, you know, first Peter three fifteen. And so we started an apologetics class and it really turned into this beautiful unison, like um, collaboration between evangelism um, and apologetics, where ultimately it's discipleship. And I think that's what's lacking in the church. Uh, there's a lot of people that you'll find in churches that that want to reach the lost, but don't have an understanding to or don't have a fundamental breakdown of what the scriptures say, you know, a Christianity 101 type. 
But then you have other people that have tons of information, kind of like the church of Ephesus we see in Revelation, um, but no love to reach them. And so there's like this disconnect of what real, the real Christian faith is, is that it's a collaboration between the two. And, and a lot of people like to segregate those, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that I totally hear what you're saying there that uh, I, some people, they have so much information and they've gotten almost into the mindset. And for a long time, it seems like apologetics in America got a bad rap because people were like, all you're trying to do is argue. You're just divisive. Everybody leaves the conversation feeling worse off. You know, uh, even if you won the argument, you you just created a bitter enemy. And, um, you know, you said that when you first started doing this, a lot of the people that you would take out, you recognize they didn't have the tools. They didn't they weren't equipped to be able to do this. What are some of the big mistakes that people make in evangelism when they're maybe they're just getting started? They don't know what they're doing. Like they said, they have zeal, but they don't got the rest of it. What are some of the mistakes people make that actually uh, maybe maybe even end up doing more harm than good? Yeah, I would say the list is probably huge. Uh, most of it has to do with us getting in the way, um, you know, and some of it's just a lack of understanding. Some of it's a, a lack of, of courage and faith in, in the Lord. I would say, I'll tell you, I can speak for myself. I can't really speak for other people, but you know, when I went out, I'll tell you right now that I, I did not like people before I knew Christ. I was, and I was a mean, harsh, rough guy. My wife can testify to that. I didn't like to look people in the eyes. And so when I came to Christ, you know, I was like, oh man, I'm supposed to talk to people. And I read the Bible and it said, Jesus said, go. And I was like, oh, wow. So this is a command from the Lord that I need to go. And I'm actually not being obedient or faithful mm. with his command to reach these people. But ultimately it, it's, it, it really needed to spur this love for them mm. um, because it can start out with this, you know, this pointing finger, this doing the, the wag of like going out there and just telling everyone they're wrong. Mm. But I like the way DL Moody puts it. He said that Christians are just um, one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread. Mm. Um, the sooner we realize that, and I would say that was a major issue with my heart. It really stemmed down to a heart issue. When we realize these people are just as lost as us, and that's why we call it once lost, the sooner we remember that, um, it becomes pretty easy to see how much necessary it is to love and pray for these people that need the gospel. Hmm. That's awesome. Flynn, um, what are your thoughts on that? In, in your experience in, in doing this ministry together, um, what are some of the things that you look at and you go, hey, this is an area we kind of need to focus on. We need to really help people change that. Is it different from what uh, Kyle said, or is that is it along the same lines? Not different, maybe in addition to uh, mm-hmm. one of the things I know when I first just really had a desire. I got saved when I was about 20. And a few years after that, really wanted to start sharing the gospel. Um, and really, it was a matter of opening my mouth. I think the biggest mistake is playing the head game of, I'm not going to have the right answer, right? Because that's, I think, where a lot of people are at. What yeah. if somebody asks me a question, I don't know the answer to? And I'm sure we'll address some of that a little more detail later. But I think sure. that's a mistake. Um you don't know. And often in scripture, it talks about like in Matthew five, when it starts, when Jesus starts talking, at least in the King James version um, with the Beatitudes, it says he opened his mouth and began to teach. Well, that's a bit redundant. You know, if it just said he began to teach. Yeah, we understand he opened his mouth. He wasn't pantomiming. Right. Yeah. But it says he opened his mouth. And I I think, per, uh, you know, personally, that's just a reminder. We need to open our mouth. A few times in scripture it talks about that, that uh, he he opened his mouth and began to speak, or he opened his mouth and began to teach. I think that's just that reminder that we it's okay to open our mouth. And I remember the first time I shared, really shared as a baby believer, mm-hmm. I you know, it was, I didn't know what to say. I was so nervous. My palms were sweating and I was shaking because I don't like talking to people. I'm so nervous. And and I was at a restaurant and there was nobody there. And I asked the waitress, I'm like, Lord, I know this is the person you want me to talk to. And I finally, I just asked her, what do you think about the Bible? You know, I just kind of blurted it out. And I thought, oh, just like <laughs> I, hit, I hit her head on. I don't know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And and she kind of looked at me stunned and then she took my order. And, but when she came back, I thought, oh, I just, I just blew it. Lord, what did I do? And, uh, you know, cause I was playing that mind game. What's the perfect entrance? What's the perfect way to get in? What do I, and, and then she came back to me and she said, you know, I have been wondering for the last two weeks about the Bible. I'm so glad you asked that question. Wow. It was the perfect question. It wasn't me. You know, I didn't even, I thought I screwed up and the Lord used it 
So opening your mouth, not being afraid to speak. And one thing we'll talk a lot about, and we didn't, you know, invent it, but, you know, evangelism is a conversation, not a presentation. That's the other mistake I think sometimes we make. You watch someone on YouTube and you just see the slick presentation, not to put it down at all. Um, there are plenty of ministries that have nice presentations and it's important. The Lord uses it. But sometimes we're like, well, I can't be that polished. I can't have that presentation. Um, and it doesn't often go well. It's just a conversation. Like Kyle said, it's one beggar talking to another beggar. It's one human being um, talking to another human being about the most important thing they'll ever need to talk about. You uh, know? That's, that's, yeah, that is fantastic. You know, I I, yeah. uh, I I totally resonate with everything you just said there, um, that that's the case. And it's, you know, what amazes me frequently. And I feel like um, that story you just shared, you know, with the waitress, that's the kind of story that needs to be shared more and more often, simply because it just helps people to feel like, okay, I don't have to be this big pastor. I don't have to be some famous evangelist. And you right. look at people like that, you look at, um, you know, uh, the, the, the movie that came out recently with uh, Greg Laurie and Chuck Smith, and you look at that, and it's cool how they showed a lot of the mistakes that happened along the way in there. I, I thought that was really great, the, the, the human side of that. But you still feel like, wow, I'm just so far from that. Um, and to hear those basic stories of this is what happened is really encouraging. I, I remember for me, I have a very similar story. I was, this was when I was in college. I was um, cutting tomatoes in the back of In-N-Out. And I felt like God was telling me, invite your coworker to church. And I was like, I can't do this. I never even talked to this person, you know? And I was just thinking, they're going to just think I'm an idiot. You know, what am I going to say? And I just said, hey, do you want to go to church sometime? And this coworker immediately said, yes, I do. And I was like, so caught off guard. I was like, <laughs> what? You do? And uh, actually came to church. The pastor gave an altar call, went down, accepted Christ. I mean, it's just... You know, yeah. I think a lot of times, like you said, we're so caught up in the head games that we don't realize that people are looking for hope. They're looking for, you know, you know what they're, they're afraid of what's going to happen next. Right. They're, they have loved right. ones that are in pain and are dealing with with heartache and hardship. And and we have to kind of get out of our own head and and realize that God is really reaching people, like you said, um, which is just incredible. So uh, what a yeah. blessing. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's that. If I can add to that, I mean, that's really the, the sooner the Christian realizes that these are real people, that we are not just like turned into this like robots and we got to go around and do this thing that that Jesus is forcing us to do. Mm. Like it really like we've had more conversations, Flynn and I, when we're sitting at a table with that waitress, they'll come up and we just ask them, hey, is there anything we can pray for? We're Christians. We're going to eat a meal. And can we can we pray to our God for you? Is there something going on in your life? And I'll tell you, I mean, when my wife and I go out to eat and we, we've had so many conversations that start out with the fact that we actually care about these people and they respond, like sometimes they'll walk away and say, that was weird. And then they'll come back. You know what? I was actually thinking about that. And I do yeah. really need prayer with this. Yeah. And then, you know, you can't be a stingy tipper. You got to leave a good gospel track <laughs> and a right. good tip. And they, I have seen more fruit with that. And, and not to say that other opportunities aren't there, but yeah, it's just loving these people and, and realizing that they have a need and they're paying attention. I mean, there's a reason why in first Peter, it says that they're going to ask you the hope that is in you. We look different, whether mm -hmm. it's offensive or or captivating, we look different and we should look different because we're sanctified by Christ, right? Amen. That's great. Yeah. So this is kind of a question for both of you guys, um, because I think this is one of the areas that people really struggle with. Uh, when I was, uh, I'm actually doing a bunch of research currently on evangelism in America and, and these sorts of things and what's happening. And um, one of the big issues that people are dealing with is, is how do I incorporate this into my everyday life? And I liked what you said right there. You said, Hey, we just asked people, can I pray for you? And that is a great opener because it's so, um, uh, you know, it's not conflict oriented. It's not, it's just, it's, it's making an offer to somebody. So when you give people guidance and you know, you're trying to train people up to be able to, um, share the gospel, what are some things like that where, let's say this person is sitting at home, they're listening, they're at square one. They're not, you know, they're, they're not an evangelist by any means. What are those steps to begin to incorporate this into their everyday life? How does that, how do they get that ball rolling? What's that practical first step, second step kind of a th situation? Yeah. Oh, Flynn, I've been talking. Flynn. Sorry, yeah, let Flynn talk. <laughs> Flynn, go ahead. 
All right. So, you know, I'm a teacher uh, at a Christian school. I've taught for about 20 years. So you're when you start saying steps and breaking it down and everything, you know, that's that's my teacher mind. How do I boil this down to the simplicity of it all? Yeah. And it, it starts. Um, I think there's two things. All right. There's two sides to that coin. One side is I think it's important to have some tools. I When I teach, I teach fourth and fifth grade. I, I call it my you know, my backpack, my toolbox, whatever you want to call it. There are some tools that are helpful to have. And there are ministries out there that help you with those, whether it's living waters or other things that just talk about kind of some practical steps to be able to ask some people questions and kind of take it a certain way. However, um, when you get into steps, it's important to have a few to get that door open. Like, can I pray for you? Or what are your thoughts about things that are going on today? Seriously, to me, the first tool, though, before all of that is prayer. And it's easy for me as a believer to focus on, you know, walking by sight, Lord, I'm failing in this area. I'm not doing this in this area. I got to figure this out. And that's how I started. I mean, I remember starting, Lord, I wanted to share it. I was a teacher at the time up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I went out and bought some wood and wanted to do a sign. And I wanted to make all this stuff and just sit out there and be like a sign guy and just sit on the corner and write John, you know, 14, six. And, um, and the Lord had something else totally different in mind. So all of that kind of just got set off to the side and he opened other doors and that's fine. You know, I think two things, prayer, and take a step. You know, when Moses was at the burning bush, it wasn't until he turned when the Lord spoke to him. So oftentimes it takes a little, not to say we're doing the work for God, but God wants us involved. And so taking that practical step and whether that means, um, think of, I think practically speaking, think about where you go already. The people you talk to, like you said, hey, I'm cutting tomatoes every day next to this guy. Lord, do you want me to speak to him? Do you want me to uh, talk to the guy I see? I'm not talking about friendship evangelism, building a friendship for four years before you actually share the gospel. I'm not talking about, you know, all of that. That's a whole nother issue. I'm just saying, think about where the Lord already has you. You know, when Jesus said, go and share the, you know, share the good news. Like I'm looking at, at Matthew in 28 and he says, go ye therefore and teach all the nations. Uh, the implication sometimes there is as you go. So it's not just go, it's as you go. So the reality is we all have places we go. When my kids are, were on vacation over the summer, I said, you know what? You're going to go somewhere that you've never gone before. A lot of them travel to other states. I said, sit down, make a few gospel tracks with note cards. And these are fourth or fifth graders. And I build it into how they do our class. We actually go share the gospel in little ways throughout the year because I want them used to doing that at a young age. But take a gospel track, write it out. I said, if you go to the gas station with mom and dad, why not hand them a gospel track and say, go to a Christian school. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a good gospel track. There's nothing wrong. If you took time and wrote out a Bible verse or had them printed out. Um, one thing I did for a while is I, you know, you can go onto these free websites or make free websites. I made a free website. Uh, I think, uh, I forget the name of it right now. Um, Unity and the truth, perhaps uh, that's one of them. But anyway, um, and I made it for a while and I made little, little cards. And just when I went to the grocery store, what do they, <clears throat> excuse me, what do they always ask you? Did you find everything okay? And I thought, you know what? I want to ask them, have you found everything you're looking for? Mm. And so then they're the, and you don't have a lot of time. So I give them a little card that talks about if you seek, you'll find when you search for me with all your heart. So little ways, then that's one of those little ways that kept coming to mind. So I thought, all right, I'll take that step. And it just had a little website on there to share the God. They could click on it. It would share the gospel. Um, and then a, a contact if they wanted to reach out to me. So what are those little ways? I guess that's what I would start with. Prayer and look for those little ways and then have a few things in your backpack and we can break that down a little bit more. But that's how where I would start with. That's great. Kyle, yeah. what do you what do you, what about yourself? Yeah, I, I think it's it's fundamentally uh so important because I think that's the major thing that people miss. And the fact that that Flynn, you know, I, I it's so clear that we read the same book and we all do because it really it is such an encouragement to 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 pray and ask the lord first to to soften our hearts and soften those that we're going to be in touch with cuz god knows who we're going to talk to today and the fact that we're not relying on the lord in that aspect and and you know we're not perfect we wake up and we forget to to reach out to the lord and start our day um, but the sooner we do that, the the bigger our eyes become to see the reality of, of people coming in front of us. And we're not talking about complex situations. We're talking about you got to hurry up and stop at the gas station to get fuel and the person sit next to you, you know, that awkward moment where you're putting fuel into your, into your car and you're sitting there staring at the numbers clicking and there's another person staring right there and you're trying to avoid making eye contact and then all of a sudden uh, you guys look and you're like, uh, I don't know what to say. How's it going? Like 
these gospel tracks and it's not it, like Flynn said, you can make your own. We put them out for free. We'll literally ship them to you. We don't ask for any cost. There's tons of ministries out there that supply um, gospel tracks, but just saying, Hey, can I give you this? And the fact that you ask it as a question, instead of you need to take this or, Hey, I've got something for you, but making it clear as, as something that they, that you have to offer to ask them and invite them to take it. You get a lot of resistance when you say, Hey, you need to take this, but it's, it's such a beautiful opportunity when you see the simplicity of people around you everywhere and um, just giving them a quick, Hey, I care about you. Um, you may not have a minute to sit and talk for 20 minutes, you know, for a long time, but here, give this a read when you're at home and people take it, man. They, they do. Yeah. Yeah. The responses of people is overwhelmingly in my experience is overwhelmingly positive. And uh, if you're just tuning in, my guests today are Kyle Peart and Flynn Hughesby of Once Lost Ministries. We're talking about how do we get comfortable sharing our faith? How do we get comfortable reaching out? It's interesting because um, I keep going back to these statistics by Barna, um, and they actually asked non-believers uh, how, the conver- how the conversations with Christians go. So they actually asked people who don't know Christ, hey, mm. have you engaged in a conversation with somebody who's a believer? a Christian. And how did that, that uh, conversation go? And about half of the people said, um, I did not feel like I was even heard. And half said, I did feel like I was heard. And I felt like, well, that's really interesting because um, it's actually, uh, according to the, the research they did, this is one of the most significant things that a non-believer is looking for is I have a burden on my heart and I need to share it. Uh, and we're all weighted down with burdens, but to be in a place where you don't know the Lord and to have all the burdens that are in our culture today um, is a heavy place. And so people are always looking for a, a listening ear. And so it seems like that's one of the areas that um, we need to uh, focus on and, and continually grow in. And Kyle, I really like what you were saying that, you know, these are people that um, we just need to love and God, God loves them. And uh, they are where we once were. And so if we can really realize that this is not about me and I can get my focus off myself onto them, it really changed the dynamics. And that's what, I, that's what I've learned over time by sharing is that if I can authentically care about this person and really get my focus on them, and like prayer, that's what prayer does. Prayer helps you to focus on them, not yourself. Um, then it takes away some of the pain, the the scariness of it, I guess, and also um, actually is incredibly effective because they because anybody can tell when a person is just going through the motions versus they actually care and have a uh, they're, they're having a legitimate conversation with me um, and they can tell you they can tell you really care. So um, is that something that you talk about when you when you help people begin to prepare is um I know you've already talked about this, but is uh, how do I spend time listening to a person versus quote preaching at them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was something. So like I mentioned earlier, when we started the apologetics class um, based on um, us wanting to encourage the church to be equipped um, and to go out and, and, you know, evangelical to go out and, and reach out to people. Um what I realized, actually, this is a funny test, and this was totally a personal test that I did. This isn't out there in statistics world and out there, but because um, the church was so large, I mean, we're talking 10,000 people in that church. That we no longer attend there, but the Lord did a lot of work there. Um, uh, what I found was there was a lot of leaders that did not have a fundamental understanding of the gospel. Okay. Mm. So I would go through the front doors and because it's so large, I was like a lay pastor. I wasn't like on staff. So a lot of people didn't know who I was, which worked to my benefit. I didn't wear my name tag that day. And I would walk up and I'd say, Hey, I'm a new person in town and I want to know who Jesus is. And they had little greeter badges. So I'd go to them and and they'd say, let me go find a pastor for you. And I'd say, well, I don't want to talk to a pastor. That's weird. I just want to know what you believe. And, and can I know the truth? And you'd be surprised how many people did not feel comfortable explaining who Jesus was, why he came and, and why they were Christians. Wow. And so 
Um, that's really ultimately, and it's not, and I don't bring that up to charge the church or to, to condemn them. I bring it up as an inspiration of why Flynn and I do what we do. It's because when we read the scriptures, the, the really like the base of once lost ministries is growing and going. The more you grow in the Lord, you will naturally go. And I think there, there needs to be more emphasis on equipping the saints on for the work of the ministry. And that really comes down to understanding who Christ is. You cannot do the work of the ministry without understanding him. And people are not doing that in the pulpit today. They're doing a lot of 20 minute messages, doing hoorahs. And, and, you know, that's a whole nother conversation that we could go down, but you'd be surprised. I've traveled with my wife around, um, around the world. We went on several different mission trips and whether it was India, Ireland, um, UK, Africa, you would be surprised how many Christians do not know that in the Bible, you can go to first Corinthians 15 and the Bible explains the gospel for you. Mm. You don't even have to have like this deep theological understanding of Genesis to revelation. Literally you can say, look, the gospel is right here. I delivered unto you what I once uh, believed myself in accordance with the scriptures, Jesus died and he rose again. And, um, and revealed himself to over 500 witnesses. That's, I just shared the gospel in, in, in 10 seconds. And so I would say that that really needs to be for anyone listening. If they're a Christian, um, you know, really focus on who Christ is, what the gospel is, why it's good news and, and start from there. You don't have to like Flinson, you don't have to go down a checklist. You just have to know Christ and it naturally yeah. comes out. You know, you will share it because you understand him. That's awesome. So um, what are some of the uh, questions that people have, or what are some of the most common questions that people have when you're sharing and, and, or, or roadblocks people have to accepting Christ? Um, how does that go for you guys? Flynn, in your experience, what are some of the things that pop up that would be good preparation for people to be able to answer particular questions that come up. Right. Well, one of the things that I think I run into the most, and I don't know if other people might say the same thing. I think it just depends on the community you're dealing with and who you're talking with the most, but like I Uber on the side a little bit just to, to help pay the bills. And so it creates tons of good opportunities to talk to people. And so when people say, Oh, what do you do? You know, full-time I always say, well, I'm a teacher at a Christian school. Oh, okay, well, what do you teach? I said, well, fourth and fifth grade. Oh, what subjects do you teach? And I always say it the same way. I teach Bible and science and history and English and all the rest. And I always put science and the Bible together. And I'm sure you know why, <laughs> yeah, because eventually it opens that natural opportunity of, wait a second, how does that work? And, you know, I have, it, it, it's happened at least twice in the last year where someone said, wait a second, science and the Bible. And it opened a huge door. So that I think, um, and I and, and we see the same statistics. You know, the churches that wish they could maybe do more evangelism, but you've also got the churches that really do not teach the Word of God from cover to cover uh, carefully. And again, Kyle said that's a, a different topic, but it's all the same topic. Obviously, not one for today, but it all ties together. You know, if you don't really trust the Word of God from Genesis 1-1. And I know, I, I know that you would say the same thing. If you don't trust in Genesis 1-1, I know, then, <clears throat> then how do you talk to people about the gospel? I could easily say to you, well, if you don't believe the beginning, why do you believe the middle? And you have no leg to stand on as a Christian. Yeah. All you have left is an experience. That's it. So I think the biggest hurdle is personal. I think the biggest hurdle is why do you trust? Why do you believe what you believe? That's why for us, the apologetic section comes in so handy. So ultimately, I think evolution is a huge one. Being able to lovingly, because some people are like, oh, it's so stupid. And even I'll tell my kids, you know, what about this? They're like, oh, that's so dumb. I said, but you have to remember, people are lost. You know, they're, they're gone. They're, they're lost in their sins. So to them, it makes sense excuse me. And, you know, that's something that I remember as a, as a non-believer hearing really dumb things and going, and, you know, I apologize if someone's listening and thinking I'm putting them down. I'm not, but things that just didn't make sense logically, but it did make sense because I had a dark and foolish heart. Mm. So uh, approaching it from, yeah, they're in a dark place. I need to bring them some light, try to show them the inconsistencies of their beliefs. And there's a lot of good ministries that do that. So I think evolution's a big one. Um, and then just the concept of sin. We live in a world now uh, that's so it's post postmodern. So anything goes except for the truth. So 
um, trying to deal with this culture today on what sin is that you can't, you know, following your feelings. Mm. And I think every generation has certain areas, you know, we talk, Paul talks about, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. So our generation has avenues that Satan has used and evolution is a big one. Witchcraft is a really big one. Um, and magic and those kind of things are really big for people, whether we want to believe it or not, the conversations, a lot of people believe in the mysticism of the world and it's getting more with the metaphysical and, and the alien thing. Like you just had that conversation with Gary oh, yeah. Bates and all of that, that's all kind of blended together. So understanding people are starting from a very amalgamated view and it's often evolutionary. It's often mystical. It's often emotion centered. So how do you get them from that point to understanding what absolute truth is. And I think that helps because then once you can get there, then we can talk about the Bible because, you know, God's word does what it's, it does. God's word will, will work. You know, you can share God's word. Absolutely. But, but a lot of people are wondering, why do I believe this book over any other? Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, ultimately that's what they're going to ask you. So you have to be able to, at some level, I believe, explain to them God's word is true. And then the next question will always be if they're, if they're, you know, uh, logical or consistent, they're going to say, well, why? Why is it true? Yeah. So being able to answer, why do I believe the Bible is true? And how do I address that in, in a very in a variety of situations, I think is important. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, another one of the things that has come up in the research that I've done is that in the 1970s, uh, I believe it was just over 90% of Americans claimed to be Christian. Doesn't mean that they necessarily were, but that was the claim. We're actually down to somewhere around 65% currently that claim to be Christian. We've had a rise of what's called the nuns, and that's approaching 30%. People that claim, I, have, I am not affiliated with any <clears throat> particular religion. They're not, they're not moving to Islam. They're not moving to Buddhism. They're moving to, I'm just, I'm, I'm not affiliated with anything. What's really, really interesting about the research that's been done, and I think this makes complete sense, is that any of the denominations which does not emphasize that the Bible is true from Genesis 1-1 all the way into Revelation, anyone that deviates is deviating from the scriptures. They're actually seeing a dramatic decline in their numbers. And interestingly enough, those that adhere to a full biblical viewpoint, they're not actually seeing any declines in their, the number of people. And I think people can tell that it's hypocritical. They can tell that, hey, you, you say you believe this, but then this part right here, you don't agree with. And so people recognize that and they go, you know, this is, this is baloney, you know, I'm, whether they're leaving and just leaving um, Christianity altogether or whether they're just going, no, I need a Bible believing church. And so I think the encouraging thing for pastors is, is <clears throat> stick with the word of God. Don't, don't try to appease people by softening the word of God. Um, it's, it's good, you know, God, God got it right. And we don't have to change it to fit people's quote needs. And we're actually doing them a disservice, not a service. And but, the world, the yeah. world honestly doesn't want the same thing they have. We've gone to a worldly way of worship, but also a worldly way of evangelizing often, you know, with all, I got to reach out and befriend them and bring them to a, a game and stuff first and wait for, you know, two years to talk to them about Jesus or whatever you want to say. Um, why not just share the gospel? You know, it's okay to be a friend of them and help them and everything else. That's all important, but it's the same at church. You know, the world doesn't want more of the world. They know what the world is. They want something different. So the world is not impressed mm. with trying to do an amalgamated view or a mixture between the world. I mean, that's the clay and the, and the uh, iron that we kind of see that a lot of the church is trying to do. It just doesn't stand. Yeah. Kyle. Yeah. We, um, yeah go ahead. Sorry. We went through that whole seeker sensitive movement, you know, everyone saw that where the church growth, the church growth was going through this whole idea of if we put, um, you know, candy canes and lollipops and, and fog machines, there was like this big movement, right. That encouraged people. And, and I think uh, what most of those churches uh, realized were when you stop using those things, people disappear. It's because that's why they came. Mm. And so you do see this, these people that are drawing this line today that do want to stand on the word of God. And maybe their, their faith was in 
you know, they were ultimately trying to please men and, and there's good intentions, you know, that, that some of these churches, I wouldn't say all of them, cause I can think a couple in my head in Southern California that were doing it for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> but there are churches out there that, you know, realized, Hey, this was a compromise. We shouldn't do this. But Paul said it so many times we don't seek, we we've been entrusted with the gospel and we don't seek to please men. We seek to please God. Mm-hmm. And so we are just called to give the full counsel of God and, and, when men and women see the the necessity for truth, because that's really what it is today, right? Everyone's attacking the truth. They don't want to believe in an objective reality, morality, and all these things. Um, everything's open to interpretation. When you show them that there is substance, there is there is understanding, there is reason, they it pricks the conscience and they go, ah, there is truth out there. Wow. Yeah. And that yeah. and that's what people are drawn to. You can really see that today. So stop compromising. I think like you said, agreed, just stick to the word, let the word do itself. Yeah. Amen. I I think that's so true. I think a lot of people have been tricked into this idea that you can't know truth. Um, And I think that's a lie from the devil that he uses in order to just shut down conversation. I've had so many strange conversations with with, uh, uh, non-believers just in weird places. I can think of, I had a conversation with two people camping where they just happened to be sitting next to us at a lake. And we got into this really funny conversation and the lady ended by, they were from Germany and the lady ended by saying, um, well, I said, why aren't you Christians? Cause she was saying how she liked Christians because they were so nice. And I thought, okay, this is weird. Well, I said, why aren't you a Christian? And she said, well, I have to have science. You know, I believe in science. And we got in this long conversation her, her final statement to me was, well, we really can't know what's true, right? And I was like, what? Come on. Don't, this is crazy. We're, don't and, really believe in science. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Really? But see, so, that's, so. that's really the, what you just said is really the heart of it all, though. When we're evangelizing and sharing, there's really just, it's really simple. Man desires men, whether it's in, in evolution or science or whether it's in other men philosophically or in yourself, it's all a desire to want to know what you know, that you can that you can decide for yourself what reality is, right? And um, you know, to know what your truth is, that whole that whole saying, you know, your truth yeah. is your truth, which is not true. But the the our desire to know men and Jesus and you know and John had talked about it. he knew what was in men he didn't commit himself to men in other words he didn't clamor after them for their likes he didn't clamor after them to be YouTube popular he didn't run after them to you know have a fan base he came to share the kingdom of God through the word of God and the gospel of God to point people to the freedom they could have in Christ not to some pastor not to some church not to some book. And I think there's a danger on all sides, whether you are, you know, in the secret sensitive movement where you're just trying to adopt the world and then go out and be the world to the world and try to win them back to a church that looks like the world. Or I think there's another side too, and, and we don't talk about this too often, but there's another side of the church that's very philosophical and very into um, church fathers' writings, and they'll be very into very um, sit around and just have these very intellectual conversations. And then Oftentimes they're not out sharing, but the ones who are, you know, I can't judge their heart. If they're sharing the gospel, they're sharing the gospel. But sometimes they're not pointing people to Christ. They're pointing people to a religious man or a religious idea. So whether you're religious in your ideas or philosophical or emotional or whatever, metaphysical, the goal is put all that aside. We just want Jesus. You know, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And the only way you can do that, and I talked to the kids about this this week because there are very clear lies that we have to address in this generation. And one of the things I told the kids that I had to write it down and I wanted them to go share it with their parents. And I had the parents sign off because I want them used to sharing things with others. And I, it was, if you want to know God's love, you need to know God's word. I said, because love is redefined and we know, and Satan, you know, Satan is a lover. He's, he's, you know, the book of Satan isn't a book of hate. It's a book of love because, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about, but it's loving yourself. And so we looked up first John and we looked up in 316, God is love or 416, one of those two, 416, I think. And, you know, God is love. So I said, you know, that's one of Satan's biggest lies. And the kids all looked at me and went, what? I said, but you see Satan redefined who God is. We're all gods. And he redefined what love is. It's self-love. And so much of the church has adopted so many views of emotion and there's no truth that's absolute. 
that they're ill-equipped right now to even be able to go out and share the gospel. And then when they are going to share the gospel, unfortunately, they're told, uh, well, just look, share your testimony. And again, that can be a good tool for the right person. But, you know, there are testimony. We, you know, this, this, the, test, the spirit of prophecy in Revelation, it says, is the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, yeah, we can share our testimony, but we need to swing them to the gospel. We need to swing them away from just an experience if we're going to go that route. Yeah. And again, I, I don't often share my testimony personally because my personal testimony um, is pretty interesting. But I don't want people focused on me. I try to share who Jesus is, because that's the ultimate question. You know, a Buddhist can have a great testimony. A Mormon can have a great testimony. Then we're just battling testimonies. But which one is true? Mm. And that's, that's I think, good. where that's where we try to settle. Because if you're on testimonies, you know, it gives people an opportunity and the Lord can use that. I'm not doubting that. But ultimately speaking, um, I don't want somebody following Jesus because God did something in my life. That leaves the door a little bit open for, well, God can make my life better too. Mm. Um, I want them to know that they're following Jesus because of the truth. Mm. Jesus said, if you stay in my word, my disciples, you'll be, and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So that's what we want to point people to. That's great. I really like that. That's yeah. a good, that's important. Um, yeah. Because if it's all about, like you said, if it's all about battling feelings, uh, which is what the Mormon church does. The LDS church is very specifically about um, if you feel good, then that's the test that, that testifies to the truth of what we're saying. And uh, no, we're not battling who can make people feel the best. Um, we're, what we're looking at is what is true. So um, <clears throat> Kyle, along those same lines, from an apologetic standpoint, um, what do you feel? If somebody says, well, <clears throat> I am very interested in this. I know I need to grow. I need to be discipled. Um, what is an area of an apologetics that you think a person should focus on most immediately? Uh, is that different for each person depending on their circumstance? Um, or is that is, is there some general apologetics that a person should learn? And for those of you who don't know what apologetics is, it comes from a Greek word apologia, which means to defend. It's just an area of focus in Christianity that is really answering people's tough questions about God and the Bible. Uh, what do you think, Kyle? Yeah, um, you know, I... I know that a lot of apologists would give you a, a ton of different answers and tell you all their opinions on the stuff that they focus on. And I'm not saying that that stuff is wrong. Mm. I just know that like from, from experience and from reading those scriptures, um, the more, you know, the truth, it'll be pretty easy to, to address anything that comes your way. I've got a ton of books. We've, we've all Flynn's got a bunch behind him and we, we read a lot and I'm not discrediting reading and, and knowing like I've read the Bhagavad Gita. I've read the, you know, the Pearl of Great Price and the, the Quran. I I've read those and, and I wanted to know the truth. And that was really like a younger me wanting to understand the truth. And, and that's what led me to the scriptures. But um, uh, it, it's a terrible movie, but I always reference it because it really helps me zone in is um, the movie Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio. It was based on a true story. And the guy's so name was that you brought that up because I literally <laughs> I'm a teacher, too. I this is what I was talking to my students about today. That is, nice. really, that is funny. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's that. based. That was, that was it, weird. <laughs> it's based on the um, the true story of Frank Abagnale, and Frank Abagnale was a guy that was really good at at replicating checks and and um, became really wealthy on it. I mean, he was stealing millions of dollars, and the, and the FBI was chasing him for years. And basically, what happened at the end is when he got caught, they as a as a you know, as a part of his parole, not really a parole, but part of his sentence, he got to help out the FBI. Mm -hmm. And instead of always studying the incorrect items, he studied the real checks and he was so good at, at finding the, the errors, the lies, um, the, you know, the fake checks was because he knew the truth and he got to a point where it was so clear when he felt the check in his hand, he knew whether it was real or not. Oh, wow. And that's how as we as Christians should be is, um, you know, Flynn tells it a lot. Uh, and my, with our kids, we call it spot the lie, mm -hmm. always being able to, to detect the lies. Flynn calls it the truth radar. When you know the truth and you hear something that's contrary to the scriptures, it's it sounds off and you can go, oh, that doesn't match the word of God. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes really easy. You don't have to be a theologian of the Quran to be able to talk to a Muslim. All you can when they say, you know, God didn't become a man and has no son. Oh, OK, well, why? Well, I can show you the scriptures because Jesus very 
very clearly claimed to be God. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Mm. So that becomes very personal because the, the Muslims will say, you know, the good Muslims have to read the Injil. They have to understand the New Testament, the gospel. Mm. And so you say, hey, well, the gospel says that you need to know Jesus. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. And, and it says that he is before Abraham. So we need to know who Jesus is. Mm. And it makes it easy because you're reading the scriptures. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so, great. Yeah, that's no, really absolutely. that's really I, apologetics. Yeah, is knowing the scriptures and then being able to, you know, go and and honestly, what I've found is that most of the time it is not an intellectual issue. Most of the time it is a it is an issue of do I actually want to follow Christ or do I not? Do I want to live my life my own way, irregardless of God, or, or do I not? Or Maybe the person doesn't actually understand um, the good news of the gospel. I found a lot of people, uh, whenever I, I, I go down to the beach and share the gospel with people, and we pass out hot dogs and water and, and invitations to church, and we pray for people. And, and um, it's very common for after I explain the gospel for somebody to say, wow, that makes a lot of sense. I've never heard it that way. And uh, so that's a big part of it is just getting to the point where you're very comfortable and actually sharing the gospel in a way that people can actually understand. And like you said, a lot of people just, they just don't know how to share the gospel, which, uh, so that's a fantastic place to start. That's wonderful. Well, yeah. um, for those of you listening, my, my guests today are Kyle Peart and Flynn Hughesby of Once Lost Ministries. If you need to reach out to them, once-lost.com is their website. If you want help with resources, they've got a ton of videos up too on apologetics issues and those sorts of things. And um, <clears throat> I just really encourage you as a Christian who's listening, um, it, it is such a blessing to share the good news of Jesus Christ. If it's something you haven't done, it's really what God has called us to do. And he works through us. And then just to know that God is using you to pray for somebody, to minister to them, and that you're a part of what God is doing, uh, there's really honestly nothing more fulfilling than that. And, and that is the greatest need, is to be a part of God's family and doing what God has called us to do. So um, guys, I want to thank you so much for being on the program today. It's a huge blessing, and I love what you're doing. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank absolutely. you very much. Hey, the one thing I would say really quick, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, is to a lot of the research, although it's, you know, research can be helpful, uh, but it's not always perfect. But the, you know, the research often shows too that families that share the gospel, often mm -hmm. the kids are blessed by that. They often, and I think it's mainly because a family that goes and shares the gospel is is growing in their walk in every area. So if you're a you know a family out there and you're praying about how do I do this uh, as a family, you know, it, it, as simple as like you said, uh, you have neighbors make them a little bit of something and have your kid make them a really cool picture. I, I have my kids often do this, make little tracks or pictures, take it home and, and give it to somebody over the holidays. You have grandmas, grandpas, uncles, no, somebody's going to come over the holidays, right? And not be a Christian. Who's going to want to turn down a smiley face, handing them a color picture saying, Jesus, you know, sharing the gospel. And then you Absolutely. as a family, as you as a grown up, you then you, you say, Hey, well, let's go home and pray for that person. Mm -hmm. And then your kids get to see or that that layer of it's not just me trying to make make ends meet and uh, go to the game on Sunday and and you know do my work during the week it's that we actually care about people and we want to see people come to Jesus and that's a blessing to everybody it, it, it enriches the family in a way that you miss out on I really think it it's a piece that's missing in a lot of families uh, and and that's again maybe a different discussion but just an encouragement um, out there yeah I and love we that a, we, I know, love that and we have a couple articles, one I wrote dealing around uh, resurrection time about some opportunities families can have to use to bless even their own family and teaching the gospel, teaching how to teach prophecy to their kids and make it fun and engaging. I mean, we even did it like I teach my fourth and fifth graders to go help the kindergartners. And so what we do every year is we we take Bible verses, put them in little Easter eggs because we don't do egg hunts. But I say, OK, we've got these Easter eggs they are empty put them in there. We hide that and we do a Bible verse hunt, you know, seek and find, you know, if you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. So the kids, my kids, I'll hide them. The, then the kindergartners go out and find them. And I've heard from several of the kids, they save those things, those little Bible verses for years. 
uh, because they were so excited to find God's word. And I'm like, mm. well, how much better than finding a chocolate Easter egg that like, how does a bunny lay an egg anyway? So I'd rather <laughs> give them God's word. And, you know, there's so many different opportunities. I think really just take a step forward and pray about it and just, just literally do something and learn the gospel. If you're not used to sharing the gospel, practice with somebody in your family, practice in front, you know, pra- literally just practice sharing the gospel. Did you know Jesus said, and uh, like Kyle said, go through the word. There are some great scriptures that just share the gospel. My dad got saved later in life and he came across Romans 10, you know, in, in Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10. He came across that and he said, I mean, he's an older guy. He says, I can't believe he said, I had to pull over. I was in tears. This is the gospel. And he wow, was so right. excited, you know, and then that excitement led to him sharing the gospel with somebody, which he loved too. So, you know, it's good to know a few scriptures. And it's good to know maybe a little bit about some of the, you know, the things that are going on in the world so you can talk to people. And yeah. then just go out there and, and pray and share. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And if I could add one more thing, because I don't want to miss this, because you did ask me, and I don't know if I really answered it correctly, because you said for people out there that want to know kind of what to ask, and, and I can wrap this up pretty fast. Um, sure. the, the easiest way for us, I know I love Ray Comfort. I love his heart. We're not all Ray Comforts. Not no. <laughs> Ray Comfort is a man of his own. Like he He is his own man, and I've served with him. He's an awesome dude. But um, for us, what we found really easy um, for the Christian that really does understand the gospel, but wants to know how to, to, to really bridge that gap. The, the number one question for me is when you ask someone, if you were to die today and stood before God and he said, why should I let you in? What would you say? And it yeah. reveals the heart right away. They say, you know, I followed the rules. Uh, it kind of brings that young, rich ruler out of you, you know, where you, you say, well, I've done all the commandments and I've done all these things. Um, and so from there, it's, it becomes really easy in a conversation to engage and say, okay, well, have you ever done anything wrong? Because the Bible says, you know, we, we were given the law as a schoolmaster. It says that in Galatians. So when we prick the conscience, the reason why we have good news, the reason why it's called good news, evangelion, is because there's bad news. So when yeah. we lead them through understanding the sin, like, like Flynn talked about earlier, a lot of people don't want to talk about sin. When you bring out that we all have fallen short, you show them Christ and it's good news and it yeah. satisfies the soul, you know? So that's, that's the kind of a answer that. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. I, I and, and, uh, that helped me tremendously just understanding that the, the law is a teacher and it helps you to see that, no, you, you are not, you cannot justify yourself. <laughs> so, uh, that's wonderful. That's right. Uh, again, uh, for those of you listening, Kyle Peer and Flynn Hughesby, Once Lost Ministries, and uh, just encouraging and supporting people as they're um, taking those baby steps to share their faith and uh, do that. That's absolutely fantastic. We'll be back again next week. Uh, for those of you listening, we've got some great guests coming up. Just had Gary Bates on last week and uh, really interesting about the whole alien phenomenon. Um, but uh, thanks for being with us. Hope you enjoyed it. And I look forward to seeing you and being with you next time. God bless you. Have a great night.